trading at episode 263. Five phases of the Forex trader. The first phase is this looks easy. I'm a smart fellow. I'm going to make a load of money. Stage four, now you start to make money. Now you stop listening to all the nonsense, particularly on social media. Now you just focus on one or two things. And stage five you get to is it's actually quite boring. I used to trade the London session on 15 minute chart and he had me sat here with a heart monitor on and I went to place the first trade and he just went, stop. He said, look at you, your heart rate shot up. What are your legs doing? my legs are going like crazy and he just said you're a junkie this is not going to work for you doing what you're doing and that was a massive change for me and he persuaded me to go on to longer time frame and four hours where I started to make money consistently people equate things like the more you work the more money you make and it doesn't actually work that way in trading because the more you sit there the more you are likely to make mistakes and do stupid things because you get tired the bank software has been heavily influenced by Fibonacci which I think is why it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Folks, we've got Mark Walton in the house, a very experienced trader who's traded millions, traded for funds, will help traders who trade for funds and trade other people's money. He's pretty much been there, done that, worked with some of the best in the industry, and you're going to get to tap into that knowledge today. Uh, now, other things going on here at Trading Up, we have got that PropBot webinar replay up and running. If you do want to get access to that, I don't know how long it's going to be around for, but what we'll do is put a link in the description. So go and check that out if you're looking to get your first payout from a prop firm. This is a great way to try and do it. Now, before we dive in, let's have a look at how I'm getting on with the Blue Guardian 100K challenge and then jump into the show. Folks, this is my 100K Blue Guardian challenge update. So you can see here I'm 0.7% up for the week. I had some luck. I had some unlucky things. We're going to dive into those right now. So to start off with a bit of luck here. So I had a one hour loss to start the week. This didn't copy across to the Blue Guardian account, which is awesome. So I missed that losing trade. But then this happened. The next trade turned out to be a three hour winner and that copied across to the Blue Guardian, but there was a delay in the exit, I think because of the news, and it ended up looking like this. So you can see here, I got out of the trade way too late and only took 0.8 of an hour. Then to finish the week off, I actually had a losing trade, which my bot got me out of immediately. Now this was a complete mistake. I should have actually taken the full loss. So had it all played out, I would have ended up with two one hour losses and a three hour win. So kind of one hour, which is almost what I ended up with. Now, if you want to take your own Blue Guardian challenge, there is a link in the description and coupon code TRADINGNUT, all one word. It's going to get you 10% off at checkout. Stay tuned for next week's update, but for now, let's get back to the show. All right, folks, we've got Mark Walton in the house today. He's a Forex, commodities, metals, crypto stock trader. He's been doing it for years and years. What's 2000 and 2000 you started? Um uh. He's work, he runs uh, Forex Mental Pro. We've got him on to, to basically give us a very experienced view of all the markets and uh, where you might be in your trading. So welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you very much. Um, look, to start off with, let's uh, get your backstory, how you got into trading, how it all transpired that you became profitable. And uh, we'll start from there for the guys that don't know you. Okay. Uh, violin time, because the first few years was horrendous. Um, I was buying stocks in the 90s in the dot-com boom and uh, made a lot of money and then hung on too long and uh, inexperience that uh, later on crypto-wise was very useful for me. It was a painful experience, but I, I uh, gave most of it back. In those days, you had to ring the broker up on the phone to place an order. And I used to do everything fundamentally. I, I used to look at charts and just think it was all mumbo jumbo and nonsense. And then uh, we sold a business in the UK, 1999, and emigrated with four young kids to live on an island off the coast of Africa, which was a bit of a, a, a major life change coming up to 40. And the first uh, two, three years I was there, I was singing, uh, singing and playing guitar in a band. Uh, gone from earning six figures to not a lot, but uh, loved it and uh, needed to earn more money and stumbled upon Forex. And 20 odd years ago, there was hardly anything online about it. Certainly, I don't know if YouTube existed then. So I paid a, a firm in the UK four or five thousand dollars to for a DVD. You get more nowadays for 50 bucks joining, joining <laughs> anything. Um, and I spent the next, well, three years losing money fairly consistently and I was doing this eight hours a day and uh, as we were talking before we started uh, there's a really good article called the five phases of the forex trader 
And the, the gist of it is, is the first phase is like I was, like you were, everybody is, is well, this looks easy. I'm a smart fellow. I'm going to make a load of money. And then three months later, whoops, I've lost a load of money. This is difficult. I'm either going to quit or I, I'm going to have to do it properly. And that was the second year. And then the third year, I was not losing anymore, but I wasn't winning. So, you, And I get a lot of people at that stage, certainly not worth it for the effort. Uh, stage four, eventually, if you can push through, is now you start to make money. Now you stop listening to all the nonsense, particularly on social media. Now you just focus on one or two things. And stage five, you get to is it's actually quite boring. Um, but it makes you a lot of money. And living where we were, the average wage was, I think, a thousand euros a month. And I'd got four kids in private school, so that didn't add up. Um, and so it it's I, I didn't get into it out of any magical reason. It was just necessity. I tried building websites and internet marketing and I was rubbish at all of that. And then I got to the end of the third year and I couldn't carry on the way I was. If, if I wasn't careful, we were going to have to go back to the UK, which I really didn't want to do. So I found myself a retired trader, Rich Friesen, to teach me. Uh, Rich is quite amazing. He started working in the pit in uh, for Merrill Lynch in the very early 80s where they're shouting and screaming at each other. And then he employed, his, he had people in his own trading firm and he's also got degrees in psychology, neural, I can never say, NLP, where you yeah. reprogram your brain. He's been on the show um, before. He's actually been oh, on the show. Oh, has he? Yeah. And oh, he, right. and he, yeah. Uh, the episode was quite weird because he hypnotized me. During oh, the, did he? During the, yeah, during the episode, <laughs> he, he hypnotized me. And to, did he work? Well, no, because it was years ago, and so I don't want, I'm, still, I'm still on my way. Um, I'm in phase three, as I, as I mentioned. So, I mean, yeah, like yeah. The, it, I, it, yeah, I mean, I think it, like it was, it was a one session, one hit thing. So, um, I don't know if he yeah. really hypnotized me, but I had my eyes closed for the whole thing, and he went through a spiel okay. and, and and got me working. So, yeah, yeah I, we, I know him. Yeah. Well, with me, uh, we were sat like this on camera. I kind of joked that it was that long ago, it was black and white, but uh, I used to trade the London session on 15-minute charts, and he had me sat here with a heart monitor on, and uh, he said, okay, I told him what I was going to do, you just do your thing and I'll I'll sit and watch. And I went to place the first trade, and he just went, stop. And I said, what's the matter? And he said, look at you, your heart rate shot up. What are your legs doing? My legs are going like crazy. And he just said, you're a junkie. You're just like an adrenaline junkie. This is not going to work for you doing what you're doing. And that was uh, a massive change for me. And he persuaded me to go on to longer time frames. So I went on to an hour. And then I went on to four hour. And four hours where I started to make money consistently because it was all of, instead of spending eight hours a day there, and you'll know yourself, if, the longer that you sit there, People, people equate things like the more you work, the more money you make. And it doesn't actually work that way in trading because the more you sit there, the more you are likely to make mistakes and do stupid things because you get tired. Mm. And so, you know, you get to the fifth hour of the day and nothing's lined up and you're just watching, oh, well, that one's moving and, and you jump in and things. So that was a major change for me. And uh, Rich, thankfully within six months transformed what I was doing. And within a year, he introduced me to a fund in the US. And then that was when I started to actually make money. So I did a three-year apprenticeship, lost a lot of money, uh, lost all my hair, still got the bad back from it. Um, but, you know, they'd say most people go through that kind of process. And then I was trading for three years, big accounts, and I was getting 20% profit share, which in those days was quite a lot. And then started to find out that I was getting less than other people because I was remote. So I started to teach people privately. And then I started some of the bad habits coming back in because I didn't have the structure and the discipline of the fund and the rules. And so I started posting on Twitter 2008, I think it was. And just sharing tips and ideas. And people in those days, Twitter wasn't as it is now. People were just genuinely helping one another. And people started asking me then to teach them. So I started Mentor Pro. And really, Mentor Pro, you know, people say, well, look, if you're any good at this and you're making all this, this much money, why are you teaching people? But for me, it was a useful distraction. 
Um, and then particularly with COVID, I was so glad because I was living on a tiny island off the coast of Africa. Uh, the cops in Spain were insane. You couldn't leave the house for seven weeks apart from to go to the nearest shop. Uh, even to take your dog for a walk, you had to take the dog's passport with you. Because, Seriously. <laughs> because yeah, well, people were lending the dogs out to the neighbours so they could at least go for a walk. <laughs> oh, so at least I, I got to talk to people every day from around the world. Um, and then 2020, I, coincidentally, I'd started to buy Bitcoin in February of 2020. I, I'd studied it in 2019 and finally, finally began to understand the blockchains. And uh, I bought my first Bitcoin in February 2020 for eight grand, and it crashed to four three weeks later with the COVID crash. But uh, because I understood the the blockchains and what it was doing, I, I was confident about it. I started buying back in. So made a lot of money 2020, 21 for crypto. Um and retired then from trading for clients. I traded for clients until 2020. And uh, now I'm semi-retired. I trade and buy and invest in metals. And I use the same technique for everything. So the, the good thing about uh, what I do, and it's a very simple process, I can explain it a, a little later, is I can use it in any market. So if Forex is tricky at the minute, I, I focus on crypto. If crypto is tricky, I focus on gold or stocks, et cetera. Um, so potted history, that's how I got into it. And uh, say it's, it's not as easy as folks would have people uh, make you believe. But if you're passionate about it and you're willing to keep going when things, you know, when the going gets tough, the tough get going mm -hmm. kind of thing, and again, out of necessity, I, I had to make it work. So I, I had a real incentive to do it. I can't believe, was Bitcoin eight grand in 2020? I, yeah, yeah. Even, I thought it was, I, yeah. I got the impression it was, oh, no, that's right, because I went to the 20 grand, didn't it? It came back and yeah, then it yeah. shot up. Ah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got my yeah. time things all messed up. I kind no, of thought no. it was way higher than eight grand at, back in 2020. No, it was 8,000 8, in 2020. And then we, I took some private clients and beta testers on in May. I think it was 8-1-30, in May. And then we did a webinar in October when it was about 13. So, yeah, yeah, it was. And then January 21, they tripled. Yeah. Oh, they, uh, it was for timing, you couldn't have done it better because I said to people in this this webinar in the October, I explained why I believed it was the the best financial uh, potential to make this book, you know, the best opportunity yeah. to make big money, and I thought it was going to at least double, and it tripled within six weeks. Yeah, like, that's it. nobody knew how far it was going to go. It was just, I mean, no, I, mean I had a no. guy in and he, he he drew a trend line on a chart. It's on the it's on the channel somewhere. Uh, Lee Co Success Factor, I think, was his name. And he said, if when it breaks this trend line, that's that's when it's going to go. And I believe if he'd taken that and never sold it, or like, I mean, it went, that was it. That was the, as soon as it broke that trend line, it just went and it went to 65 oh. or 69 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what it, what it did, it, it was Fibonacci. I used two EMAs, 200 EMA and a 55 EMA, and I used Fibonacci. And other than that, it's just trend lines and support and resistance. And what Bitcoin did is it made a breakout, a pullback. And it was 61.8, 78.6 bit breakout, pullback. It did it five times. Uh, and it just kept pulling back the line. So the main thing, what I said to people and what I do is say, okay, the priority one is get your original stake out. Because now it's, it's free money in a casino. And every time it went up, take some profit. And, and then we were buying on the dips. And it worked for five five pullbacks in a row, and then it did the big drop. So anybody that took the profit on the way up was fine. And because I'd learned from the dot-com boom 25 years earlier, that's what I was doing. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, last month we had a real good uh, trade on uh, a stock related to Bitcoin called MicroStrategy. And that's up, I think, about 80% in six weeks. And I used a little bit of leverage with that as well. But it was the same thing. Bitcoin made the move. The stock was slow. And so I said to folks, look, this, this company owned 158,000 Bitcoin. Bitcoin shot up. There's, you know, one logical conclusion with this. This is going to go up. So, again, it's using 
the same knowledge and understanding. And I basically every day I start with TradingView and I look at the dollar index, I look at stocks, I look at gold, I look at metals. And you're looking for basically where the big money is flowing because the big money is obviously looking for value and under normal circumstances, you're, you're looking at interest rates, inflation and growth. Well, obviously, all that's gone out of the window at the minute because it's such a shambles. Yeah. So you're now looking for where is the big money placing the money and the big money will just like you and I looks for value. So and I use that as a yardstick for where to focus. And other than that, I am patient. I mean, I trade from weekly. I place the I do the analysis on a weekend. I place the orders a couple of hours after the market opens or maybe wait till London opens on the Monday morning. And other than that, I don't do a right lot. And uh, I heard the expression recently, we are paid to wait as traders. Hey folks, what a view behind me. I'm at Blackball Markets headquarters here in Auckland, New Zealand. Speaking of views, you can get TradingView paid plans for free at Blackball Markets, saving you up to $600 a year. That's right, get either the Essential Plus or Premium plans absolutely free, and all you need to do is trade from one lot a month at Blackball Markets. And you can also get a 100% deposit bonus for your first deposit up to $1,000. All you need to do is click the Trading Nut link in the description below. And I was just saying to you earlier, I've just spent two days with a guy who dug himself into a complete mess. I mean, we're talking six-figure drawdown this guy had got. And I have sat with him for 20-odd hours with not much sleep, trying to help him to dig his way out of it. Uh, we've got back this side of the six figures, uh, but the stress this guy's been under for the last few months has been insane. And instead of reaching out earlier, uh, and and having somebody objectively to look at things and say, what the hell are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. because we I've done it. We all do it. You get yourself in a mess and you keep digging, and you just need that tap on the shoulder to say, what are you doing? You know. I mean, how, so, do, you, how do you dig somebody out of a six-figure drawdown? I mean, it, it must must have been a fairly hefty account in the first place. Oh, it's a big account. I mean, he's he's quite well off and then he's got private clients, but that's the issue is that he's got private clients in there as well. But he'd oh. been hedging. He's, he's trying to hedge his way out of it all. And he'd got, I think, 30-odd open trades. And it was like, it's just the, the swap is eating it up. And uh, it's just like, well, we need to close as many as we can. So, you know, let's try and make a profit on this and we'll use that to offset this and at least start to get things into some perspective. But, uh, I mean, I, I have been there five or six years ago. I was persuaded against my better knowledge to get involved in something where it, it was a semi-automated system and it, the hedging was involved. And uh, it, it's difficult to dig your way out. It's not pleasant. And so, how, how, do you, how do you sort of like, I suppose, take your knowledge of I'm trading on the weekly chart, the weekly time frame to somebody who's, you know, in 28 hours, you'd be able to, you know, manage the trades that he's got, I suppose, taking yeah. the knowledge that you've got from a higher time frame, albeit maybe it also works on the lower time frames. How does that work? Well, it, it's not something I'm doing again. So this is not a pitch <laughs> for anybody that's in a mess. Yeah. Don't call me. Um, it, it's a looking it from the outside and saying, what the hell are you doing? You know, let's have a proper look at what you've got. Um, why is, what's this doing? Why is that doing that? And so he had some direct hedges. And so I said, well, hang on a minute. We'll use that profit to close that one down because that's the one that's costing you the most with the swap. And for anybody that's not familiar with swap, swap is the interest that you pay every day on an open position. So you can have an open position that's winning even, but the swap is eating into it every day. So he'd got swaps that were biting into it as well. Um, it, it, but it's very difficult. And as I say, the main thing, the main thing about this business is, is slow and steady wins the race. You will not get rich quick tomorrow. Um, occasionally, I have come across people who are super talented for this. And they have an issue as well in that usually they can get overconfident and then they, they screw up. I am not super talented at this. I I grind my way through things, but I came to realize after two years of trying to be super talented and doing all the silly things that you really, it's all about discipline and structure and rules. And for me, going to longer time frames took me away from the rich freezing with the heart monitor and I'm a junkie. 
And so therefore you do all the planning on a weekend. And my edge, if you talk to any successful trader, what is your edge? Why do you succeed? Is I am really good at the entries. I, I mean, the joke inside Mentor Pro is I am spookily accurate. I, I did it this week on the Euro Pound. I did it last week on silver and gold. I can pick entries from hundreds of points away, hundreds of pips away, but I am just looking at repeatable patterns. And because I do it on a weekend when the markets are shut and there's nothing moving to, to tempt me to do something silly, it then becomes a lot easier exercise because I plan the entry, the stop, calculate the risk reward, make sure I have five reasons to take the trade of confluence. And I, I plan where I'm going to take profit. I'm going to move the stop to entry at this point, plus a few pips. I'm going to take some profit here. I will take some more profit there, and then I will leave the balance to run, usually. Mm. And so my win ratio has always been very high, but it's distorted by the fact that I always take partial profits. And I learned this two ways. In my early days, the first week I traded live, I was 75% of my trades were, were winners, but I lost 350 bucks. And then I spent the next year focusing on my win ratio instead of, because nobody was there to tap me on the shoulder and say, what are you doing? So, you know, I was, I, yeah, I'm really good at win ratio. I just, I'm losing money. And then, oh, about 10 years ago, I had a competition with Dean, the guy I started Mentor Pro with. And we had a competition one year to see who was the better trader. Mm. And at the end of the year, I won. Woohoo! I got a few percent more than him. But I had taken over 500 trades in the year and he'd taken 50. So uh, who, who was the smart guy? Yeah. I mean, did you did and, you suffer from a cost of trades as well? Like in terms of 500 versus 50, you obviously costs are going to be up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, if you're scalping or you're day trading, I've seen people, you know, they'll do 20, 30 trades in a week. Uh, I have a, in fact, I have a young guy at the moment who has the potential to be really good. And he has passed funded uh, challenges two or three times. And I think he's even been paid out. He was paid out six or seven grand on one of having got through. Mm. But the last time he passed a funded account, he, he made a thousand plus trades. And his win ratio was 25%. He's had a couple of months with me, and he's now passed a funded account with nine trades and a 75% win ratio. But what he was doing was he, he was he was in a trade one weekend, and I'd said to him, right, it, it price had come up to a major area of resistance and a trend line and everything else, and he would normally have just stayed in it. And I'd said to him, right, look, the way to look at this is now you've, you've got 1.5% profit in here. You've nearly passed the challenge. Take some profit off and leave the balance to run. Anyway, he didn't. He ignored me. I don't know why he's paying me, but he ignored me. So the following week, it came back down, all the way back down, and took him out. And at which point I'd said to him, I, I, I was so frustrated because I'd sat and gone through it with him and I'd shown him examples and he still did it. Now, in fairness to him, he's since taken some time off and saying he's now passed evaluation with nine trades. Mm. But that is the issue for people. He likes to trade as well. You know, there's lots of guys like to sit and trade. They think they're going to get up on a morning, two or three hours trading, uh, all the screens, everything, all the flashing lights, and they're, oh, this is great. And then they're going to go do whatever for the rest of the day. And it's not really like that. <laughs> yeah, look, sometimes life Sorry gets in the way. Yeah, and look, I mean, I suppose it's, it's all great at the time when you've got that time to do it, but life changes. And sometimes, you know, if you've got two to three hours to sit in front of the charts, something happens like in a year's time, are you going to have that exact same two to three hour period that you can sit in front of the charts? Maybe not. Maybe you've moved to another country yeah. maybe you've got like a partner who doesn't want you to maybe you've got kids that have come along all this sort of stuff so the higher time frames does tend to be like an easier route talking yeah. of that how do you like and it sounds like this is something you try and do with your clients is get them from the lower time frames to a higher time frame so that you know things are a bit easier for them in terms of yeah. the emotional side and stuff because well, that for me took years to get there and I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if you've got any sort of special ways that you help people do that. A, a big stick to start with. Uh, do this. I am watching what you're doing. Uh, 
most people that come to me privately have been trying for years and they're frustrated and they're sick and on the, they're on the verge of quitting. So with them, it's kind of remedial. Look, you've got it's not working what you're doing. Let's start again. Let's do this. Occasionally, I, I teach somebody who's quite good, but needs to understand the bigger picture better. And the thing is, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a bit like the, the guy was telling me the over a thousand trades. If he'd instead, what he was doing was just going for the big one all the time. When he when he won, he'd win big. But mm. the problem is that you know it's like flipping a coin. If you flip a coin a hundred times, on balance, you're going to end up with fifty heads and fifty tails, more or less. But within that period, you will get a run of maybe ten heads, which is why martingale systems don't. Mm. You know, just keep doubling because eventually yeah. you run out of money. So the point then is, if you look at the big picture, it can help to keep you out of losing trades. So, for example, if you've got a, a system where you're working on five-minute charts, if that's what turns you on and you're any good at it, but if there is a monthly trend line immediately in the way and there's a 200 EMA and a horizontal, you know, it's an all-time high, gold is a really good example lately. I mean, gold... Three times out of four, the last three out of four times, it hit the all-time high. Oh, guess what? It dropped. So anybody buying gold near the top, duh, is a very silly idea. So the point is, if you understand the big picture and you still want to trade smaller time frames, you can go back down to smaller time frames and it will improve your trading and it will mm. certainly reduce the amount of losses you have. So... It's beneficial in that way. But the other thing I said earlier, you know, it's like you saying, okay, if you've got three hours a day, I used to trade London and everybody used to have a London breakout method and it worked. It worked for years where, because in the overnight session, price used to be basically be in like a 30 pip range overnight on the pound and the euro. And the, the pound at the time, the, the average daily range was 150 pips. So if the thing's doing 30 overnight in the Asian session, it's going to go up or it's going to go down. And you would basically have a one cancel to the other order, 15 pips above and below, and it worked. So then it was, okay, get up, 6.30, prepare for London, plan it all, all your different options, pick the best ones, you know, the ones with the best potential risk reward, uh, the ones where news is not due out in the next hour that could kill it. And you made money, it was easy. But then it stopped working. And so now... For me personally, I don't have a day system that I would feel confident enough to do. But also you get to the point, well, I mean, I'm semi-retired now. I don't want to sit in front of a screen all day. I've spent tens of thousands of hours doing this. I just want to make money. And what I say to people is, look, I can teach you how to trade. I can teach you how to make money. But that gives you then time freedom to do other things as well as. And so, for example, with you teaching people or doing a YouTube channel and things. So for me, I teach other people. I, I was a football coach in Spain for football salad for 10, 12 years. And in the end, I was coaching Spanish second division. And so that was my hobby. But the, the trading, because I was only spending an hour a day on it, that gave me the time to run a football club with seven teams. So to me, it's just a means of making money. But it yeah. gives you the, the it gives you the time freedom. So mm. to quit a job working for somebody else to then replace that by spending five six hours a day sat in front of a computer screen in your basement is not to me what this is all about. And and from a freedom perspective, it gave me the freedom to live on an island where the minimum wage said earlier was less than a thousand a month, and have four kids in private school and live a good life in a beautiful part of the world because of the trading. So, but that that's the thing for me. I, I would not want to just sit there all day. And I say it's actually counterproductive because when you get tired, you start to do silly things. Mm. And again, it's, it's the psychology that screws everybody. Anybody, I think, with half a brain can do this, but... 90% of them will fail because they will screw up with the, with the psychology. And if you're trading on smaller time frames, you are far more likely to make silly decisions and, and make mistakes because it, it, it's, an, you know, it's just an adrenaline-fueled mix. So what about like these patterns that you talked about? Like, How did you come up with them? I'm guessing you uh, would have had to backtest 
at the start and actually spend a lot more time at the charts doing that and to then spend less time at the charts uh, actually trading. I mean, and that's even that is kind of like an oxymoron. Like you've got to spend all this time at the charts to spend no time at the charts or virtually no time at the charts. Um, I, it, it's pattern recognition in its simplest form. You are looking at probability. Trading is all about probability. And so, like I just mentioned about gold, gold, this last time it came up, it actually spiked through for a day. And the only reason it spiked through because something was kicking off in the Gulf between the Americans and the Iraqis. Other than that, it then rejected at 2070. So, when it was coming up to that level again, the probability was greater that it would reject again than not. And to push that through that area, it needed a catalyst. So it needed something, God forbid, to happen with America and Iran or something to happen with Putin or a natural disaster or something to make people pile into gold. Because all the people who bought it lower down are thinking, I'm going to lose my profit here if I don't take my profit. So they start to sell. And then other buyers with any sense think, this is far too near to the top. I'm not. I'm going to get out. So what I do, I swing trade. So I wait for price to break out of an area. And then I look for it to pull back. And with the pullback, I am looking for confluence. So I, I look at 200 EMA and the 55 EMA. And we have it on the templates where even if you're on a one-hour chart, it shows you where the, these two EMAs are on, on the higher time frames. So I always want to know where the 200 EMA is and the 55 EMA. But if you imagine a scenario where price has broken out of an area, and MicroStrategy is a good example, the, the stock I was telling you about earlier with Bitcoin, it broke a trend line, it broke a 200 EMA, the 55 EMA, and made a move. I haven't said that in that case, it didn't pull back. But generally, I look for price to pull back into that area. And then I want five reasons of confluence to support the idea that if price drops, where is it probably most likely to bounce again? And what people forget is going on when when uh, a price is moving up and down on a chart, there is an auction taking place and the buyers are looking for value. So when the price starts to drop, then they're looking to, and the banks particularly, because they're going to make a profit between the price they buy and they sell at. But when price starts to get cheap again, then people pile in, pile in to buy. And Fibonacci, they've always said that the, the bank software has been heavily influenced by Fibonacci, which I think is why it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, why does price come back to 61.8 Fib or 78.8 and touches it to the pip? Well, because if the banks are set up with, with Fibonacci, then it's probably going to affect the price. And if it comes back to a whole number, the last few years, whole numbers have been really important. So if price comes back on the euro to 110 the other week, and there was a 200 in EMA just above it, if it was going to stop anywhere, it was probably going to stop there. And so I, I need five reasons. And if I'm trading with the trend and we've got a trend line and we've got an EMA, and we've got a fib pullback in an uptrend, um, uh, if the daily range has not been hit yet or whatever I'm looking at for different reasons, then I will take the trade. And on balance, you will win more times than not. But then the final part of the puzzle is it's got to have the potential to make a minimum twice what you risk. Because otherwise you end up being a busy fool where, yes, you win lots of trades, mm. but you don't make any money. I've been there, done that, because I'm I'm risking one to make one. And then you need 50, 60% win ratio just to break even. Whereas I, I met a guy in London years ago who was a top trader for one of the banks, and his win ratio was around 40%. But when he won, he won big. And, and how do you sort of like uh, work out when something has stopped working? I mean, what was the what was the sort of catalyst for you to go, this thing isn't working anymore? Like how many trades or days did you have to yeah. sit through on that London Open? Oh, probably a few months. And we probably went from a scenario of being in profit to break even and not making or just make. But I mean, it, it was a bit simpler than that. I, I said from it's a long time ago, but from what I recall, the overnight range suddenly was doing 60 or 70. The average daily range on the euro and the pound came down nearer to 100. So there wasn't 
there wasn't the potential anymore for it to do it. But I mean, I have used the same strategy for Forex for 20 years, and it's the same strategy I use for crypto, and it's the same strategy I use for stocks. So what I and the only thing I've done is over the years I've taken things off. I used to have more indicators, more EMAs. Used to have RSI, CSI, CCI. You name it, I've had them all on there, and I've just taken them off over the years. And so I say now I have two hundred EMA, fifty-five EMA. I have a MACD that I use just for divergence. I don't bother with stochastics; they're too slow. Uh, I don't bother with RSI apart from gold, and I keep it as simple as possible. Keep it simple, and if you're looking for structure i start on a weekly and what i say to folks is start on a weekly and what is it doing is it going up down or sideways so everybody's with me so far <laughs> and then if it's going up and it's in a clear uptrend we want to buy and as i mentioned to you before bitcoin bitcoin went on its run 20 late 2020 2021 and bitcoin just simply made a run up and it did a pullback into 61.8, 78 and the 55 EMA and a trend line. And it did it five times before it finally did a drop. And so that was the same. Stocks are the same. Again, remember what's going on. When it gets too expensive, like gold at 2070, nobody in the right mind is going to buy gold at that price unless or until there's a catalyst. And so it's probably going to drop. When it drops, try to find it at a better price. And so I said with, to folks the other week, when silver was at 25, I would buy silver again at 23. It came down to 22.70. And gold I would buy, I remember, I think I said 2,000 of gold, and it came down to 1980 or something. But so, so these are all of, big, in, big levels. In terms of that, like, I mean, what what do you, how do you, so you got your five confidences to, to get you in the trade and the, and the overall like fundamentals and stuff. How do you work out your stop? Is it is it based on the take profit? So if you're going to take two, take profit here because that's where the sellers are going to get into a buy position you would then go well if that's my two to one my one has to be here which is that's where my stop losses or is there a more intricate way to to work that out the, the five reasons include where is the stop going to go ah, so okay. if if you have a trend line diagonal intersecting with a horizontal trend line and a whole number and then you've got the 200 ema in there and you've got 61.8 fib so if you start with the basic chart with the candlesticks and the 55 and the 200 and have on where they are on the longer time frames, that's basically, is it going up, down or sideways? And then ideally, as a swing trader, you are looking for price to break out and to pull back and to pull back into that, that area. But if you've picked an entry because of five reasons, then the stop goes under the fifth reason, basically. So right, okay. Gotcha. Years ago, I had a guy taught me, uh, he always use a 50 pip stop. Well, that was silly because sometimes it needs a 70 pip stop, which is about mm. the most I will go. But sometimes you can get away with a 20 pip stop. So why have a, a fixed number? The stop needs to go where the stop needs to go. And then the final part of the puzzle is, well, if okay, if I'm going to use a 75 pip stop, which is my maximum, if it could's got the potential to go 500, it's a bloody good bet. If it's going to be risk 50 to make 50, I won't take it. Mm. There's no point because the maths is against me. Mm. Yeah, okay. So your confluence is essentially this is the level it's bouncing from and the one that's lowest, albeit something like the MACD can't have yeah. a, a low, um, is where you're going to put the stop. That's 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 quite clever. Um, yeah. And what about like if you had less than five confluences, would you – is it automatic I, no or is there sort of the variance I, in there it depends how experienced you are sometimes i mean it, it's do as i say not do as i do when it's somebody that i'm teaching but sometimes you will make a decision with three but that's not good practice for somebody who's new and the other thing is a bit like with this guy that I explained about today trying to dig him out of a hole you can use correlated pairs to kind of offset one or the other. So, for example, if I'm trading the euro and I'm looking for the euro dollar to pull back into a zone and I've got three and three reasons, but the Swissy is coming up to a big area of resistance at the same time, well, that's another reason because 90% of the time, if the euro bounces there, the Swissy will bounce there. 
And so with the majors, you can look. I have a, a chart that set up I look at in the morning when I have all the majors on there plus the euro pound. And I am looking, if I'm certainly, if I, especially if I'm on smaller time frames, I have them all there on an hourly chart because if one of them sets off, I need to know why is that just set off and the rest haven't. So you want everything, especially on smaller time frames, you want things to be in harmony because if the pounds just set off, well, there must be some news, presumably, to have set the, to set the pound up. And if there was no news scheduled, well, what the heck? And we had it the other week with the pound where the governor of the Bank of England came out with some comment at a dinner that nobody was expecting him to say anything and suddenly the pound set off. So if you're trading the smaller time frames, you want to know why that's just done what it's done. But for the big picture, I mean, I look at 20 pairs on a weekend, which sounds a lot, but I look at the weekly and I go, no, 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 oh, that one's interesting. I'll have a look on the daily. No, no, that one looks interesting. I'll have a look on the daily. And then when I've picked out maybe half a dozen that are worth, that most of the time on the weekly, it doesn't give me the multiple reasons to take the trade. So I have to go to the daily to find the multiple reasons. Then I have to look at what news is coming out. So, for example, the Aussie, for, for us in Europe, the Aussie news on a Tuesday comes out 2 a.m., well, there's not much point me taking a trade on Sunday night if I've only got 24 hours to try to make the profit before the RBA have their rate meeting or whatever. So I will leave that one until later on the Tuesday when the news is out. So all different parts of the puzzle. I mean, to me, I traded say stocks fundamentally, thought the technicals was nonsense. I traded technical, including for a fund until 2008, and then after the crash of 2008, I started to pay more attention to fundamentals. And so I, I do understand, I have quite a lot of knowledge now of what makes each economy tick. And so you just said a few weeks in Sydney, you're just down the road from Australia, you were saying. Do you, for example, know what the major exports of Australia are? I've got a fair idea. Go on, uh, have a go. Uh, like uh, coal, um uh, yeah, coal's one of them. Coal. Uh, what else do they? Um, I'd say there's something in the agriculture, like you know. Well, the the biggest export is iron ore. Oh, is it? I didn't know that. Sig sig significantly, I think thirty five percent of Australia's exports is iron ore. And where do you think most of it goes? China. Yeah. Yeah. So China, at the beginning of this year, said to their steel producers cut back because the Chinese construction industry is cutting back. Worldwide construction in many countries is cutting back. And therefore, iron ore, if your main export is iron ore and most of it's going to China, then that's not good for the Australian economy. Mm. So the more you understand what makes each economy tick, the better. And so New Zealand, as you know, is mainly agriculture. But again, you have the same issue as China. So if, God forbid, China invades Taiwan, it is not going to be good for your economy or Australia's economy because most of what you sell yeah. goes to China. Yep. <laughs> so, so understanding all of that gives you, a, in my opinion, gives you a better chance to, to reduce the chance of losing trades. I mean, let's face it. If you could half the amount of losing trades you have, you're going to, be a better, you're going to have better results. Because it and sounds like there's the other, a, sorry, I was gonna say it sounds like there's a fine line between like you know the fundamentals and the five confluences and the higher time frame <laughs> to actually get any trades on. I mean, can you sort of explain how that works? And is it like, yeah, how does that I, work so that you don't? Because I know you said you had like three trade, four trades last week or something that. Um, oh well, that's a, that's a lot week. for me. Yeah, that's a, no, no, that's a lot for me. I had one FX trade this week. And I right, had, okay. I've had, I've had silver and what was the other one? Silver, gold, but I also had another metal. I can't remember what it was now. So no, I don't take that many. I mean, last year, I think for two years in a row, I made at least three percent per month from five trades or less. Right, in a month. Okay. I don't do sense. a right lot. Yeah. But so the key to all of this is to do that on a big account. Because if you're doing that on a million, you just made between 30 and 50 grand. 
in the real world, away from these funded uh, trader things now where they're paying 80% or what have you, in the real world, I was getting paid from 35, uh, 35% to 25%, depending on the size of the account. So if somebody gave me 100K to trade, then I would charge them 35% profit share, uh, no win, no fee. If they gave me a million, then they would pay me 25%. Right? So, and that again was no win, no fee. So the point is, most people, including me when I started, didn't have a big enough account to make enough profit to be able to do this for a living. And therefore you end up risking too much. And the, the, the funded accounts that we see now are a lot better than they were in the early days, These the, the ones where they pay a big payout. Because mm. in the early days, you had to make 10% in a month. And there were so many rules in there designed to trip you up that hardly anybody got through. Whereas now, at least, they've taken off. They don't. You don't have to make 10% in a month. But if you have to make 10% in a month, you over-leverage, you over-risk, you over-trade, yeah. you blow it up. But if you're doing it on a million, two million, a three million, four million, it's easy. I used to, I had a friend of mine, he had a Russian guy trading for him. And this guy was a scalper. And we sat and watched him a few times. He would come into the room on a morning. He would be there for five minutes. And he did whatever he was doing to make one or two pips, and then he left. But he was doing it on a five, six million dollar account. Just one or two I pips. Never, a, yeah, he's done. yeah. I never quite worked out how he was doing it, and I couldn't cope with the the stress with it because if you if you're trading big money on a on scalping, it yeah. can go against you very quickly. But that's all he did, and for years he was very successful doing it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy people. Eh? Um, now, what do you think made you different from somebody else out there who's like, you know, struggling at this? What do you think got you there that is potentially holding other people back? Um, I don't quit. I mean, I, I'm from a sporting background and I, I don't quit. But having said that, equally, you don't want to just keep doing this if you're not going to break through the glass ceiling. There comes a point where you have to say, look, I, this is not for me. I need to go do something mm -hmm. else. Um, I, I had the fortunate situation that I'd, I'd emigrated and I was still singing and playing in a band on the night. So I had a lot of time during the day to be able to do this. And I had the money initially to do this as well. Although after the first year, my wife was not as keen <laughs> as me putting so much in. Um, so I was fortunate in that respect. And I, the, the big thing difference for me was Rich Friesen. If, if I hadn't read, met Rich, I think I probably would have had to go do something else. So for me, it was finding somebody legit who uh knew what what it was all about and mm. I say he's he's probably unique now he's rich I mean he's in his mid-70s he's done it from both sides you know he's traded in the pit he's employed traders and then he's done the psychological side of it as well so for me that made a massive difference um so be careful who you follow if you're looking on social media with the guys with the jets and the the uh, the Lambos most of it's BS, but there are a lot of very clever marketers in this niche, and it's got worse or better depending on your point of view every year. Um, it's very slick, and, and as we know, the, the issue is when you look after the event, it looks so easy. And that's even worse because then you think, why did I do that again yesterday? What the hell? Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, it does look so easy after the event. Now, what about um for somebody who is like going like, oh no, what, why did I do that? How how do, how would you sort of say what steps would you put in place to get them growing an account? For me, it's if 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 you're not if it's not working at the moment, stop. Don't trade on a live account. Whatever you do, I would get the cheapest funded account you can get. I mean, we we work with FX two nowadays. They have an offer on you can get a 10,000 evaluation account for 100 bucks. And from an educational point of view alone, that will make you be more disciplined and structured. And it's that that's missing for most people. I said earlier, I think most people could do this, but if you're not accountable to somebody, you know, if you blow an account up for a grand, it's your money, you, you can do it like I did it for years, never told the wife, I've just put some more money in, put some more because I could afford it. But if, if you are accountable, 
and you you start off with a funded account and you set yourself some clear rules, i.e. never risk more than 0.5% per trade, never have more than three trades open at any one time. Don't have, if you have three trades open, don't have them all pro or anti-dollar. So, because if one loses, they'll all lose. Mm. So, worst case scenario, you could lose is 1%. Because the final thing is, if you have three losers in a week, stop and go talk to somebody. And if you've got a friend you trust or whatever, or you're working with somebody like me or you, then go talk to them and say, look, did I screw up or was I just unlucky? But for God's sake, when things start to go wrong, stop. Step back from it and just equate what you're doing. The best thing I did before I met Rich Friesen is I had two months off. I, I was, I mean, nowadays everybody, mental health's the big thing, but I was making myself ill and I was stressed and it was every day starting in a negative position and just getting worse. And it's horrible. It's a horrible place to be. So if, if all else fails, stop take some time out and and have a look at what you're doing reevaluate and start again but doing it properly because it's the old einstein thing if you keep doing the same thing every day you're going to get the same result yes it's funny because i i was going to mention this at the start of the show when you were talking about this which was the especially going from the lower to the higher time frames and you know you're doing all your stuff kind of in one day and maybe a little bit during the week and that mental load that you've got is low right you yes. get a very yeah. low mental low on the on the markets. Whereas somebody yeah. like if I take myself from the last few weeks, I was doing like Asia session, London session, Asian session, London session. So I realized like my mental load of stress during that yeah. time was like quite high because I was like, well, I've now got to trade yeah. the session. Um, so I'm there for two hours and then I'll trade this one. So I never I was like, where am I getting the break in the morning yeah. before the session start? And so yeah. I've now since moved to four hour chart and yeah. the load has just lifted. And even yeah. a day you where will... I couldn't trade because the news on like, say for exa example, Asia, I was like, there's a, there's definitely, and I think somebody mentioned it in the show as well. And I was like, just started realizing it. The load was lifted because I didn't have to yes. trade that session because it was news. Yes. So I'd given myself permission. I was like, I'm stressing myself out here by doing, you know, yeah putting myself through this mill <laughs> twice a day. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are your views on that? Like, Well, well, A, usually if you're getting stressed out, you're risking too much. Um, B, if it's like I said, I mean, if I sit down on a morning and I have a look at the charts, and like I said earlier, you know, I look on a weekly and I look at it and if it's no, 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 it's not interesting. It doesn't, it, it doesn't draw my eye to an area of interest that's worth having a further look. So if I get to the point on the morning when I have a look and I have, I mean, I have days I have no idea what's going on. Why the hell is that doing that? I don't know why it's doing that. We'll just walk away. You know, why, why go looking for trouble? And then you made the comment before you said, I have to, I've done the Asian, I have to do, why, why did you put yourself under so much pressure that you have to do London? <laughs> it, it, well, it was, it was, I, I knew that the, the, the strategy worked in London and Asia. And I was like, well, if I'm going to be trading it, why would I not trade both sessions? And then yeah. I actually decided um, later on, I was like, maybe I don't need to trade the London session and I'll just do the Asian <laughs> when I'm not like feeling. And so I thought that was the hallelujah moment. Then I actually went and yeah. back tested it and realized there's a lot of days here where it doesn't work in Asia. And yeah. because of various reasons, the ACR or there's news or whatever. And so then I'm like, okay, so all of a sudden I've gone from, you know, trading every day of the week to maybe trading once a week if I'm lucky. And then I might mm. miss that day, which means I would not trading any day of the week. And I'm sort of, then I was sort of thinking <laughs> I'm getting your levels of frequency. Yeah. I'm putting all this time and I'm like, hang on a second. Yeah. Why don't I just go to a high time frame? And that's where I sort of yeah. ended up. So it was. Yeah. It was well, that, that's the thing is go to higher time frame, but look at lots of pairs because you're just looking at patterns I, I mean, again, to show how stupid we all are and how stupid I was, I used to win in London and give it back in New York. And for six months, yeah. I focused on trying to crack New York. Again, if somebody had said, what are you doing? You're winning on the morning. You could be out of here doing whatever you want this afternoon. And now you, I was so determined I was going to crack New York. Yeah. 
But again, it's silly. And it would be unusual to have something that works in Asia and also works in London because you've got more volatility normally in, in London. And as you know, when London kicks in, often that's when we start to get movement. Mm. In the last few years, it, it, there's been more movement in Asia. Last few weeks, there hasn't. So if, it's like watching paint dry a lot of the time. But for you, time-wise, is London a good time or a bad London's, time? Yeah, I mean, Asia is during my day, and then London is during my early evening. So it kind of ruins the evening, right? But And so yeah. you go to bed. So you either go to bed happy, like that you made some money, or like get depressed and you you know you don't get a good sleep so it's kind of yeah. it, just, it was just ruining the, the the emotional i suppose yeah it was just the mental load i was thinking was not it, it wasn't worth going through that that for the mental no. the mental load that it put on every time you sit at the charts there's a if you're going to sit there for a session there was a yeah. mental load whereas the four yeah. hour chart you go back i don't even need to go back every four hours you put the levels on and you go and check it when it when it hits yeah. or you well, get in the it's, it, Well, it's not even that. Uh, two things. One, uh, one, of, one of our guys years ago, one of the students wrote an article saying when, when boring is great. And this five phases of a Forex trader, the fourth phase is when you start to do well and you realize it, it, you don't get upset when you lose and you don't get, you don't get high when you win. Mm. So again, if you're getting on a high when you win, then usually it's because you're risking too much. And like, oh, it's, it's you know, I'm I'm clever. I've beaten the market. Well, the, if you get like that, the market will kick you in the ass because yep. getting overconfident kills as many accounts as not knowing what you do. So again, the guy I've just been trying to help today is is good at this, but he just got too cocky. And and you have to do this every day. It's not be you know be humble. Accept the fact that all I'm trying to do is take a little bit out of the market every day or every week. Uh, if I win, it doesn't mean I'm clever. And it, you don't define yourself. And this I did this for the three years. You, you, I would go out on a week and I'd be on a high. Hey. And, and in fact, I tell the tale. The first week I hit my target, I set myself a target in 2003 of $2,000 in a week. And the first time I hit $2,000 in a week, I was on a high all weekend. I finally cracked this. I know I'm doing. And by the following Wednesday, I'd given 1500 back. Yeah. So oh, my yeah, life, yeah. my life for those three years was this, 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 this. Now trading, it's fine. Good week, bad week. I, it doesn't it didn't affect you. Mm. So <laughs> I feel like the doctor and talking to you. Yeah, yeah. You know, look, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all valid stuff for me. Um, look, th thinking about uh, mindset, do you have any sort of special tricks or hacks that you've implemented over the years that you've found that are quite good to get you ready for sitting in front of the charts? My, my thing is distance. So this is why I do things on the weekend. I mean, you can either go down the rabbit hole of psychology. I mean, I know people who meditate, uh, before trading, uh, some people play different kinds of music to calm them down or whatever. Personally, I just find, for me, the solution was distance. Get away from the smaller time frames. And when you were talking about the four-hour before, what I did with the four-hour, and this was the start of what I'm doing now, is I would go, I would sit there for the European Open. So the European Open in Europe, uh, in UK is 7 a.m. Don't trade that because 7 to 8 there often would be fake outs. 8 a.m. is when London kicks in, and that's when you would get the movement. So I, when I started going to four-hour, I would prepare for London, and I, if a trade set up, I would take it. If it didn't, I didn't. And then I would go to the gym, and I would come back half an hour before the next four-hour candle, and I would make a plan again and say, right, if it breaks through here, I will take it. But I would never take the trade just before the four-hour candle close because often price would come up, touch the area, and then promptly flip back down again. And this was influenced by, it was a scam years ago, binary Forex, where people oh. were betting that it would hit a level. Uh. Uh, so price would tease you all the way there, and then the last second it would drop. So you make a plan on the four-hour. If it breaks through here, I will look for the pullback and take the trade. And if it doesn't, I will come back at half past two, ready for three o'clock. And so suddenly I was spending two hours a day maximum instead of eight. And I was planning in advance all of it, the mm. entry, the stop, the multiple reasons, the target, what I was going to do. And so for me, that was the solution.
Mm. It's not to, to me. This this is all ninety five percent planning, five percent trading. What you're doing at the moment, what a lot of people are doing, is probably seventy percent trading and thirty percent planning, or even less. You know, you just sit there, you look at what's going to go. If you've got a strategy that works, you wait for it to come to you. Um, but for me, that was the solution. Is is step back from it all. Now, um, before we dive into the quick fire round here, like if there was something you you, you know, would recommend somebody spend the next month mastering, what would it be? And entries. Look, uh, pattern recognition. Look, and you could do this with uh, TradingView. You can go back and, and, and set the chart backwards. But have a look at areas of confluence. So for five areas of confluence, look for a vertical trend line. Look for horizontal support and resistance. Look at Fibonacci. Look at the EMAs. And if price makes a move and breaks out of a significant area, look for a pullback to where it's probably going to react mm. and just get in the habit of looking at patterns. I said earlier, maths is not my thing. I'm rubbish at maths, but I make a living and made a living for 20 odd years in a, in a, in a business. that's all about numbers. So for me, it's patterns and probability and, you know, study things. There's, there's loads of stuff on YouTube for free. There's Mark Douglas trading in the zone for some of the psychology. Um, so just take a step back. If it's not working at the minute, why do you want to keep doing it? Take a break. Have a think about what you're doing. Think about what your times of day are. I mean, for most people, they've got a day job, and it's very difficult to try to trade intraday around a day job. So you have, you have a lot, guys. The guy with 1,000-plus trades was living on his phone constantly on his phone and then the phones are addictive so then you sat watching television on a night and the phone bleeps and suddenly that looks interesting and off we go again mm. so take a step back think about what you're doing and plan plan everything yeah I, I think that's great advice actually like just taking a step back and which is probably the hardest thing I've found to do. Yes. So I don't know if others are out there finding that hard, but taking a step back and then and then actually going, well, here's the plan. I, I, I think even that was hard to do. Um, yeah. Great advice. Now, look, we're going to dive into a quick fire round here. Uh, first question is, how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? Three years. Um, do you have a recommended trading book or resource? Uh, trading in the, in the zone, my, uh, Mark Douglas is very good. Uh, about the psychology. Uh, other than that, I can't remember. But that's, that's a good book. And they said there's the audio version for free on YouTube. Other books, actually, non-trading related. One is Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. A uh, very good book about using other people's money to make money. I think he's lost the plot a bit lately because it's every other week he says that the world, financial world is going to end next Tuesday. But Rich Dad, Poor Dad, from a mindset point of view, is very good. And you can get a free copies online i believe not encouraging anybody to do anything they shouldn't and there's also a free copy of a book called think and grow rich by napoleon hill mm. and that was written 100 years ago but the guy interviewed all the richest men in america at the time to try work out what made them tick and one of the things the big things i took from that book is to have a burning desire to succeed and if you want to be successful at this or successful at anything, if you're not passionate about it and you're not determined to walk through walls from it, then go do something else. Right. Okay. Um, do you want to walk us through your worst ever trade? Um, one of the worst was in my early days, I was $600 down on a dollar Swissy and thought – I could hedge my way out of it, and I spent 16 hours, and by the following morning, uh, absolutely shattered, and never wanted to do this again. I'd lost 1,600. So that was that was bad. And then I was stuck in, in hedging again. I was, I was working with a guy that was had a hedging strategy, and that got messy. So but bottom line is, Hedging doesn't work, in my experience, with Forex. It does can do with stocks. Um, and I have I have a guy at the minute that came to me recently. He, he lost nine out of ten of his previous trades. So he thought like we all do. Well, if I keep buying in the wrong place, I'll just sell. That doesn't work either. 
Yeah. <laughs> just do the opposite. Yeah. Whatever it is I'm doing, I'll just do the opposite and then I'll win. That didn't work. Yeah. All right. Well, look, that is good advice. But I mean, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice to walk away with, what would it be? Um, decide why you're doing this. Are, are you doing this for the buzz because it's sexy and you've got all these screens and you're living the great life and like, or decide why you want to do this? I do this to make money. I, 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 this is not a game for me. I don't get any fun out of it. I, I don't, I don't gamble on anything. It's quite bizarre, really. And yet, in my early days, in the early three years, I had all the bad habits of a bad gambler. I would revenge trade, over trade, over leverage. Uh, if if the buying wasn't working, I would sell. You name it, I have tried it. Just decide what you're wanting to do. Get away from this idea that you're going to quit your job and spend three hours in the morning and make two grand before breakfast and then go play golf for the rest of the day or whatever. It's, that's not really the lifestyle for most successful people that I know, but decide what you want to do. And if you're trying to do this around a day job, then learn longer time frames. There's no point learning 15-minute charts. You haven't got the time. Awesome. Well, look, um, before we wrap up, what's the best way for traders to get hold of you? Um forexmentorpro.com or have a check out on YouTube. We, uh, we've been on YouTube for years, never really did anything with it, but uh, we've started to post a lot more on there. You'll see lots of examples of the entries and the, the spookily accurate uh, nickname I have because of the patterns. So as I said earlier, focus on pattern recognition. You'll see lots of examples and you'll see lots of examples of the multiple reasons. So Brilliant. your best free resources, have a check on YouTube. Awesome. Look, uh, a big thank you to Mark for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all those links, are going to be in the show notes or in the description under this video. Simply search for Mark. It's M-A-R-C, uh, Walton, in the search box on tradingnut.com if you're over there as well. Until next time, wish all my listeners trading happiness and success. All right, folks, there you have an interview done and dusted with Mark. Now, we did shoot a video afterwards where he breaks down what he does on a price chart. So this is something that you guys can pretty much take up if you're a beginner trader there's a lot of uh, common things in here which he's obviously used and they've stood the test of time so great little video to go and check out uh, other things remember we've got that prop bot webinar replay we'll put a link to that in the description here we've just finished doing it so if you're looking to get your first payout from a prop firm this could be the way to go and remember to check out all those offers from my sponsors we've got blue guardian we've got blackball we've got apex as well so guys these firms are giving some amazing offers but only here exclusive on trading that all in the description right thank you for watching we'll see you in the next one